Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to see all of you this morning. You can be seated. We're glad you're here and uh, just enjoying the presence of the Lord on a rainy Sunday morning. Amen. Rain's not going to hurt anybody, right? I mean, come on. It's amazing what uh, people in Southern California do when it rains. You know, they, they want to stay home, but you guys decided to come here. So give yourself a hand. Glad you're here. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. I believe that, and so we're glad to be with you this morning. I was out uh, last week uh, doing a conference in Madeira, and uh, it was just a wonderful time there and with the church there called Lighthouse and uh, just enjoyed myself in the presence of the Lord and a great time. But I'm glad I'm back here at Reach Paramount and uh, we, we're starting this new, well, we started it last week called the Advent and uh, the Advent is something that I think all of us uh, need to be familiar with. But you know, before I do that, I just realized I need to give a big thank you. We had a pastor's breakfast yesterday and I want to give a big thank you to uh, the people that work in our kitchen crew and the media crew. They did a fantastic job and uh, they prepared everything for, we had over, I think, about 50 pastors there uh, this uh, last uh, Saturday, yesterday. And uh, many of them uh, just really enjoyed our breakfast that we put on for our network pastors. And it was just a great time. So thank you. For all of you that work that, we appreciate your work and uh, your commitment. Uh, but getting back to the Advent, uh, the Latin word for Advent is Adventus, meaning arrival or coming. In particular, when you look at the word Advent, uh, it's really uh, a coming of something that's great, of a great importance. So we, what we call it the Advent season, and it's supposed to be a time of joy anticipation and celebration really dealing with the arrival of Christ there's really kind of three meanings to the advent it's uh, basically Jesus coming to be born and then Jesus coming to come inside your life and number three it's really Jesus coming back again as king and judge and not a baby how many can say amen to that so it's amazing to me that when we think of this Advent season or this Christmas season, that something that happened 2,000 years ago can still cause traffic jams, right? And cause all kinds of chaos in places. But we appreciate that Christmas is really special. And actually, the birth of Christ really splits our calendar in half. It separates A.D. and B.C., A.D. meaning uh, Anno Domini, which is the Latin phrase for in the year of the Lord, when Jesus was born, and B.C. meaning before Christ. And so what we want to talk about this month is we're talking about Jesus' birth and the prophetic word that were given long before Jesus was ever born. They prophesied that a Messiah would be born, that the Son of God would be born, and it's very important that as Christians, we understand the meaning of this. Many of you say, well, we know about the birth of Christ. We know about Mary and all this. But I want to give you understanding of what it's about because this is something we need to understand uh, the divinity of Jesus and who he really was and the purpose of why Jesus came. Uh, this is the foundation of our Christianity. So I'm going to read you a verse of scripture and then we're going to pray. And it's the prophetic word given in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, announcing uh, the coming of the birth of Christ. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the advent and Jesus coming for us. And Lord, we know that he's coming again. And so I pray today, God, that you would 
wake us up and God sober us up and be alert God and be ready for that second coming so I pray today God that you'll speak to this congregation and Lord help us today to understand the meaning of the real Christmas today I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I declare your word and let the people hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus name and everyone said so as we look at the Old Testament the Old Testament prophesied the coming of Christ it says for unto you a child is born and there's also prophetic word in that same book Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 that gives us the prophecy and this prophecy is given during a time when there was an unsettling in Israel in other words Isaiah is speaking to a people that are in need of hope and this was written about 700 years before the birth of Christ now listen to me I didn't say seven years I didn't say 70 years I said 700 years and it's very specific as what this prophetic word says at the birth of Christ. It cannot be a coincidence. You've heard me say it. It's too coincidental to be a coincidence. And look at this prophetic word, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. You guys got to get with me a little bit here. Come on, say amen or something. Uh, my goodness, talk to me. I mean, my goodness here. You're getting too cozy by the fireplace. So therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin, look at what it says, will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, this is not a random prophecy or random guess or random estimate. This is 700 years before Jesus was ever born. And it said he would be born not to just any woman, but it would be a, a, a virgin. Now, what is the possibility of someone prophesying 700 years before it happened? I mean, I'm telling you, the chances of that ever happening is very, very minute. And here the scripture says that his name would be called Emmanuel, meaning God. God is with us. So 2,000 years uh, ago, uh, or 2,000 years ago when Jesus came and he was born, uh, I want you to realize something, that, that the birth of Christ is still causing controversy today. People don't know how to say Merry Christmas. Now they say Happy Holidays. Am I right? And so God, in his infinite love and mercy... Always was trying to reach his people, always was trying to communicate with his people. This is why God, when he created Adam and Eve, he put them in this beautiful garden. And it was just one simple rule. How many know sometimes we give our children just one simple rule? Don't touch that. And he told them, don't touch that tree. Don't mess with that tree. What do they do? They do the very thing that God told them not to do. And then later on, we see the consequences of the sin. And so finally, God, again, is trying to reach his people in multiple ways. And finally, God says, you know what? I love you so much. I'm going to become one of you. I will show them what I'm really like. And it caused controversy since the birth of Christ, because listen to me, there's tension in the world. You can mention God, but the moment you mention Jesus, there's tension. Think about this. The God of the universe was not born in a palace, but he was born in a barn. He was not surrounded by wealth, but he was surrounded by filth. He was not surrounded by the most important people, but actually some of the lowest people, the shepherds and everyone else around him that came to see him, and he was born in a barn, almost as if to say, God was saying to you and I, there's no one too low that I won't come down for. There's no one too low that I don't love. And the Bible says when he was born, they wrapped him in swaddling cloths. And if you know anything about swaddling cloths, you normally don't wrap a baby in swaddling cloth. You wrap someone that is dead, almost as to signify that the baby that was born was destined to die. And Jesus was born, listen to me, for the sole purpose of dying for our sins. And this caused this tension in the world. A Savior was born to die. 
In fact, let me read you something that I thought it was a great article by Peter Larson, and he said this, that God intrudes whether you like it or not. God is knocking on the door of your life, the door of human history, and he will knock on your door over and over again. Whether you like it or not, he is intruding. Emmanuel entered into the world through no entry. He entered the world through a virgin birth. It shouldn't have been able to happen. Then Emmanuel exited the world through a no exit, the empty tomb. He came through the virgin birth and left through the empty tomb. Now you will say, why did he have to be born from a virgin? It was very simple. The Bible said that all of us are sinners, and the reason why we're sinners is because we've been born through a human father, and our sin is passed down through the seed of the father. But Jesus, though, was not born with the seed of a human father, but the seed of the Holy Spirit. So he became God in flesh. He was born without sin nature and the very purpose to becoming innocent, a sinless lamb of God slain for the sins of the world, a God born to die so that we can live. This is very powerful when you begin to think the meaning of why Christ came into the world, and the Bible describes him as God be with us, or God is with us. How many have ever said before, excuse me, before you've ever taken a trip, or you've gotten in a plane, you say, God be with us? You know what I do? I, can I just tell you a secret? No, maybe I shouldn't tell you. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. But I will say this, we probably all have prayed this prayer, uh, God be with us, you know, especially when you go on a trip or you're taking your kids on a long trip, you say, God, uh, be with us, I don't want to kill these kids, amen. <laughs> God, help us, be with us, I don't want them to kill each other, right? How many pray, God, be with me as we go Christmas shopping? God, be with me, help me to find a parking spot in the name of Jesus, Amen. <laughs> And how many of you college kids, you say, God, be with me in this final exam. I can almost hear God saying back to us, well, if you studied a little bit better, you do, you do a lot better, right? But whenever I get on a plane, I usually, right before I enter into the door of the plane, I never even told my wife this. I don't even think she realizes I do this. But I put my hand on the plane. I say, God, I'll say this. I say, God, I want this plane to take off safely and land safely. In one piece. Because I'm in this plane and I got destiny. Hallelujah. And usually when I sit down, I'm praying for that pilot. I pray that that guy's not an alcoholic. I pray that that guy, you know, not this and that, that his guy's sober, that he got enough sleep because he's flying this plane. And I'm in it. How many know what I'm talking about today? Some of us, we don't even think about that, but I do. I'm thinking about my life when I put it in somebody else's hand. But this is what we do. We say, God be with us. And so I want us to think about this chapter here because Matthew refers or references Isaiah chapter 7. And again, it said that Matthew 121, she will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Now, it's hard to even read that scripture without getting a little emotional to think that Jesus came to save his people from their sin. Now, this was an announcement that that I believe the people had been longing for. They were looking for hope. And when Matthew, or when we read the scripture in Matthew, the gospel means good news. How many understand that gospel means good news? So the good news was that, that Jesus came to save us from our sin. And in verse 22, it says, it took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. So he was quoting from the prophetic word in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that I just read to you, a prophecy that was written 700 years ago. I don't know about you, but that kind of blows my mind to think that something that was written 700 years ago is now being fulfilled in detail. Are you with me? 
the very detail of Isaiah chapter 7, four, chapter 7, verse 14, is being fulfilled here in Matthew one twenty one. Now, let me read it in its entirety, Matthew 1, 1 verse 21 and 23. So I want you to get this. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. Hallelujah. Saying God is with us. Are you catching this? I mean, if we could put it in dramatic fashion. If it was like a movie and we could announce uh, Emmanuel, God is with us. How many remember that movie, Space Odyssey? Uh, And all of a sudden, here it is. We're announcing the coming of Jesus, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Keep playing it. I just love this part. All of a sudden, as we're reading this scripture, all of a sudden, the virgin, keep going, come on, come on, don't turn it down. Da-da, there we go. I just love that. Come on, come on, come on, come on. What are you guys doing? Oh, you guys got to do better than that. All right. Come on, that's good. All right. All right. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Think about this. All right. You can turn it down now. (laughs) This is like earth-shattering news, man. I always love that part. Anyway, when I think about this, how glorious to think the announcement of Emmanuel, God is with us. Because if you recall, it was Moses that said to God, show me your glory. Show me your presence. And we understand that God in his purest form cannot be seen. No man could see God and live in his purest form. In fact, when Moses said, show me your glory, God said, you you know, I'll show you the backside of my glory because you can't get the front side. You won't live. And God covered his face and kind of walked by so he could get a glimpse of the glory of God because none of us can handle the full-blown presence of Almighty God. And yet the Bible tells us over and over, there are many instances where God moved. It was supernatural that people could not even stand in the presence of God because it filled the temple. People were taken back. In fact, when a priest would go into the Holy of Holies, which was the most sacred place, they would go in. They had to sanctify themselves, cleanse themselves to make sure that they were completely cleansed, that they could go in. But many times when when priests were not cleansed the way they were they were not properly cleansed they would put a rope around their ankle and if that if they would move it to make sure he was alive but after a while if that priest wasn't right with God he would fall over and die and they would have to pull him out because they couldn't walk in to the Holy of Holies, but thank God, because of Jesus, we can come into the Holy of Holies in the presence of God. Can you say amen? Now, the Bible said that he would announce to the shepherds that he would come, and the scripture tells us the shepherds came back rejoicing, and even the wise men, when they saw him, they fell down and worshiped God. So it is the very fact today that God is not distant, that he's not so far away, but that we can come into the throne of God and worship him as King of kings and Lord of lords today. The Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, or, and he dwelt among us. The the message Bible says the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
God moved into your hood. He moved in your neighborhood today. It's like the guy moved next door to be with you. He came to be with us. He came so that we could experience him. He came so that we could have a relationship with him. And the moment you realize today that God is not a religion, God is not some distance that you can't talk to him, but when you serve God, it's out of relationship. And so God is with us. This is something so powerful. There are some of the best things that we could ever hear is that God is with us, that God is with you. And friend, he's not one that is disconnected from you. He's not one that is disinterested in you, but he's one today that is near you closer than you even realize. Now I hear you a little bit. Amen. He's with you. He's with you in your pain. He's with you in your heartache. He's with you in your confusion. He's with you when you have questions. He's with you in your doubts. He's with you in your brokenness. He's with you in your despair. He's with you, friend, uh, when things uh, aren't coming together. He is with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. The Bible says, Jesus said, I come in order that you may have life and life to the fullest. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about right now. God wants to be with you right now. He wants to be with you right now. In fact, can I just tell you, God wants to identify with you. That's how much God wants to be with you. He identifies himself with you. He identifies himself with every individual. That's a lot of us don't understand that. That We may say, well, God identifies with you, Pastor, but, but really God doesn't identify with me. I, I, I want to prove to you today that God does identify with you. In fact, in Scripture, in Isaiah 49, verse 16, the Bible said that he engraved, excuse me, your name in the palm of his hand. He engraves your name. In other words, it's like your name is on his refrigerator. Amen. How many of us have pictures of our kids? God, God has you on his refrigerator. You're a refrigerator magnet to God. That's how much God thinks about you. That's how important God thinks about you. God's crazy about you. Can I tell you that? And it's hard to believe that because we think that God is so far, but God is nearer than you think. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know your family. You're his son. You're his daughter. How many can say amen to that? And I was thinking about how God is very, how powerful God is, and yet he wants to identify himself with us. And I'm going to prove this to you because I want you to think about this. He identifies himself by the names of people who trusted him. When you look at the Old Testament, he identifies himself by the names of people who trusted him. Throughout the Old Testament, when God speaks, he says, I am the God of Abraham, right? I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. And I don't want you to miss the significance of what he means when he says that. When God is saying, I'm the God of this person, he's identifying himself with that person. It would be if somebody said, uh, uh, who are you? And they didn't really know who I was. Well, I'm Jacob's father. I'm Omar's dad. I'm Isaiah's dad. In other words, when people want to know who are you, who are you to this guy, they would then know that I am identifying myself with my son. So when God was identifying himself, he was identifying himself with the very people that trusted him, even though they weren't perfect. He identified himself with Abraham. In fact, when you think about that, Abraham was so imperfect. I mean, you when you think you go, he is identifying himself with that dude. Do you know that Abraham was kind of like a kind of a knucklehead is the best way I can say it? I mean, think about this. When you think about Abraham's life, Abraham had a baby through his handmaid. He did, I'm just gonna tell you. He couldn't wait on the promise of God. And he ends up having a baby through one of his handmaids. And then he lies about his wife and said that he's so scared. And he said, she's my sister. 
So he traded her for donkeys and sheep in Egypt. Eventually, he gets her back. And you can imagine the conversation they had when she got home. It was a misunderstanding. That's not what I meant. I meant you're like a sister in the Lord. Amen. I don't know, I don't know what he was thinking. You know, you know what I mean? He made all of these mistakes, and yet God says, uh, uh, you know what? Uh, I identify I am the God of Abraham. In fact, he said, Abraham is my friend. So think about this. God identifies himself with you. I am the God of Justin. I am the God of Carlos. Listen to that. I am the God of Betty. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm I'm the God of Elizabeth. I am the God of Carly. God is identifying himself with that person. He's identifying himself with you, with the person that's sitting next to you. That's how personal God is. That's how when God says, uh, I'm with you, this is God saying to you, uh, I belong to you and you belong to me. uh, And together I'm with you. We're going to make it. Can you say amen? You don't have to be perfect to be identified with God. I strongly advise uh, all you men, don't sell your wife to Egyptians. Amen. God will forgive you, but I don't, not, not so much your wife. But I want to say, I want to say this to you, uh, it, the whole story in Scripture, when we go through the New Testament, God is saying, again, this is part of the Advent, God is saying, uh, I am with you. That's the best news I've ever heard. Because how many don't want to be alone? How many don't want to be wondering, where is God? God is right there. And some of us Christians, you need to remember when some of your darkest moments, some of the times in your life where you say, man, I I don't know. I don't feel the goosebumps. I don't feel the tingling thing. Let me tell you, God is not a feeling. It's not a matter if I feel God or not. He's with you. You got to trust that and know that. Because what happened, and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. What happened during Christmas and what happened during the holidays, uh, and, and I'm not just talking Christmas, Thanksgiving, as we go all the way through, uh, 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 you know, January 1st and New Year's, uh, all of a sudden, everything in our life begins to be magnified. Our relationships, things that are happening, we kind of reevaluate the year. And how many know they become the big magnifier? So the good things are magnified. You say, oh, man, I have family. And then the bad things are magnified, too. I've lost some loved ones. Things have happened in my life. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you've seen a death. Maybe someone that was close to you is no longer close to you. Maybe some relational issues have happened. Maybe some bad health issues Maybe even feeling like, I don't really feel God, all this is happening in my life. The goals that I wanted to reach, I didn't reach. And and I want to just say that before the end of the day today, I pray the Holy Spirit will help you. Every single person sitting here will will help you, let you know that he's with you. That he's with you in the tough times, in those dark times. Are you listening to me? All of us have had things in our lives today that we we didn't want, didn't like, but can I tell you, God's still with you. I can't tell you all the reasons why they happened or didn't happen or all of these things. I just know that I trust God that he's with us and that he's with you and the presence of God will help get us through whatever's happening. Emmanuel, God is with us. Now, I want to say this to you before I change or before I, change, or before I end the message. I got a little bit here to go, but I just want to share with you why did God come to the earth? Why did he come in the first place? What was the purpose? You know, we think about the, the landing on the moon and when, you know, Neil Armstrong, you know, one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. And we think about that statement that he made, and it made big news. But can I tell you, when he landed on the moon, nothing is bigger than when God landed on the earth. Hallelujah. And the Bible said this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God. Or another translation, he had always been God by nature. In other words, when Jesus came, he came as God. God invaded the earth. 
This is the relevance of Christmas today. There are people who would say, well, Jesus was the great man. There are people that would say Jesus was the great moral teacher. They would even say that Jesus is the great prophet. The only problem is that Jesus never claimed to be a prophet. He never claimed to be a great teacher. He claimed to be God. I said Jesus claimed to be God. And this is why we need to understand that Jesus is God. In fact, there are several times where Jesus says, I am. In John chapter 8, 58, goes, I am. In John uh, 10, verse 30, Jesus said, I solemnly declare to you before Abraham came to be, I am. Only God ever referred to him as I am. He said before Abraham was, before he, he goes, I was there. I was there even before all of this started. In fact, in John chapter 14, verse 8, he said, I and the Father are one. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When they say, show us the Father, he goes, believe me, I, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe because of the works that I do. So Jesus claimed to be God because he was God. In fact, the scripture says, before creation, uh, he's the one that created creation, right? He's the one that created everything. It says, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He existed before God made anything at all. And in fact, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and in earth. He is exactly God. It's hard for us to relate, but God came in the flesh. Did you understand what I'm saying today? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word is God. And said the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and there was not anything made that was made. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, but the darkness did not understand it. So again, God came on the earth through Jesus Christ. Number two, the reason or how Jesus came is he became a man. As I've been telling you today, he became a man. He was not just a little baby, but he was 100% God and 100% man. And there's something in that that we need to understand. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And said, be made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man. Uh, the, Phil- or the Amplified uh, translation says, he became like man and was born a human being. So the reality is this. Jesus was a real man, flesh and blood, just like us. He's not a myth. In fact, there are, there are many studies and many, many historical books about Jesus. Well, some of these uh, encyclopedias, you, you can still, you know, some of them are, you can go to the library, but you can actually look them up. He came as a man. I read this quote before, I'm going to read it, read it to you. If God wanted us to communicate with dog, he would have became a dog. If God wanted us to uh, communicate with birds, he would have became a bird. But God wanted to communicate with people, so he became a person. This is what we call the incarnation, okay? Christ, uh, the incarnation of Christ, uh, basically today, God became a man. Jesus is God. He was born like we were born. He was born, came through the same birth canal, right? Uh, He came as a fragile infant. He came in the middle of the night in the stable. Again, he was 100% man, 100% God. He was born like you and I. And the Bible says he grew up like us. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. In other words, he had growth spurts, right? You ever had your children? You know, they, they, they have pain. He went to school. He, Bible says he grew in wisdom. A lot of us picture Jesus, you know, at school and knowing all the answers. Ah, oh, shut up, Jesus, you're God. You know, that's not the way it was going. You know, he didn't have to study for the final exam. No, the Bible says he grew in wisdom. So he did not let his divinity 
God, being God, interfered with his human nature. Are you with me? But he grew in stature just like you. He was a carpenter. Many referred to him as the carpenter, a, a, a Jew, a Jewish man in Palestine. He was a real man. So Jesus, again, is showing us he came like you and I. Now, why is that important? Because a lot of us today, what we'll say is, well, you know, Jesus is God. He, he don't know what I'm going through. He knows exactly what you're going through. Because he was a human being just like you. Feeling all the pain, going through all the temptation, all the different things that you're going through in life, except he was sinless. So you can't tell God you don't understand what it is to be a human being. God says, I was a human being just like you. I was born just like you. I grew up just like you. In fact, the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, he was tempted in all points like as we, yet he was without sin. Think about this. He experienced the same pressures. He experienced the same temptation. He experienced the same desires. He experienced the same drive, the same all of this. He was tempted to lie. He was tempted to cheat. He was tempted to steal. He struggled with the same things that we did, yet he was without sin. Are you with me so far? I want you to understand that God knows where you're at. He suffered like us. He, he felt pain. He felt disappointment. He was tired. He felt lonely, even abandoned at one time in, 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 in Gethsemane. The Bible says there in the garden in Matthew 26, verse 38, the sorrow is so great, it almost crushes me. He knew what pain was like. And he also grieved over his son or his, his friend by the name of Lathers. The Bible said the shortest verse in the scripture, Jesus wept. So we see the human side of Jesus. He became like you and I. So why did Jesus have to die? Because we need a savior. Can you say amen? And I'll read you this, this quote because I, I love this quote. I'm going to read it to you. You've probably heard it a hundred times. And as long as you come here, I'll continue to read it on Christmas. Anyway, it says this, our greatest need, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been government, God would have sent us a politician. If our greatest need had been health, God would have sent us a doctor. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a savior. That's what we needed. God sent us what we needed. He became... What we needed, God is with us. He he came to the earth because he knew we needed forgiveness. He knew we needed to, uh, life, uh, our life to be changed, our life to be redeemed. Uh, the Bible says in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus didn't come just to stay in a manger, but Jesus came to live and he went to the cross. Can I tell you, Jesus laid his life. No one took his life. It was voluntarily. It was, it, it was something that he did voluntarily. In other words, uh, the scripture said that he could have called the angels of heaven to protect him. He could have called the angels of heaven to rescue him, but instead he gave them permission to take his life. Jesus laid his life for you and I. Look at what the scripture says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. This demonstrates God's love. It says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. He knew you couldn't get your act together. That's why he came while you're still a sinner. There's a lot of people that say, well, I got to get ready. I gotta, you can't do it, brother. You need, you need to come to Christ as you are. He died while you're yet a sinner. He knew you couldn't get it together. He died for you while you're yet in sin. Scripture says, greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. You may lay your life down for people, but how many would lay your life down for strangers, for people that don't even acknowledge you, yet Jesus did that for us. How many thank God for that? He paid the price. 
for our sins. How many know when you break a law, you got to pay a penalty? If you don't, you're going to get a warrant. And I know some people that have had that and they've got arrested. But here, we won't point them out. But here's the issue. You got to pay a penalty if you break the law. Man breaks the law, you pay man's penalty. When you break God's law, you pay God's penalty. And Jesus paid God's penalty for you. Scripture says the wage of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he personally carried the load of our sins in his own body when he died on the cross so that we can be finished with sin and have a, and live a good life. Somehow, 2,000 years ago, Jesus made a difference so that we can live today. For unto us, a child is born, a Savior, Christ the Lord. He came to die for our sins. Now, I just want to say this to you today. Jesus cannot save you. Jesus cannot redeem you unless you realize that you're lost without him. Unless you acknowledge that you need him in your life. I'm going to use this illustration that I've used before, but they say that when a lifeguard goes out to save someone that's drowning, they have to be careful that that person doesn't pull them down. So they wait for that person to get a little bit tired so that they can explain to that person, listen, I'm going to take you on my, but don't, don't panic. Stop panicking so I can rescue you. Sometimes they have what they call a buoy so they can hold on to that buoy and get them out of that water and save their life. But as long as that person is trying to save themselves, as long as they're trying to save themselves, you cannot save them. As long as you're trying to save yourself, God can't save you. But the moment you say, God, okay, I give up. I'm going to hold on to the buoy. I'm going to hold on to the cross. I'm going to hold on to you. As long as you, as long as you give up, God can save your soul. He became a man today to give us freedom from sin. Let me just tell you something. When Jesus came to this earth as a baby, he didn't stay a baby, but he became Lord. I said, Jesus is Lord. There's a scripture here that most of us have probably read, but it's, it's found here in the book of Philippians. It said, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You have to acknowledge him as Lord. You know, back then, they would acknowledge the Roman emperor as the God. They would say, Caesar is Lord. This is why a lot of Christians were persecuted and put in prison because they would not say Caesar is Lord. They would only say Jesus is Lord. And when you come to a point in your life where you say Jesus is Lord, you're acknowledging him as Lord of your life. You're acknowledging him as the Savior of your life. You're acknowledging that he is king of your life. And until you do that, friend, until you realize that today, you're going to be lost without God. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have to acknowledge him as Lord of your life. I read this quote, and I'm going to, I read this before, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, if all the arrogance in this world that puts itself against Christ, and all the denial of scientific, psychological, philosophical arguments that are put up will fall by the wayside, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord. The judgment day, everyone will stand there throughout history. Everyone will acknowledge it. Every nationality, every age group, every male, every female, every religion will say, Jesus Christ is Lord. All of the politicians will be there and say, Jesus is Lord. All the rock stars will be there and say, Jesus is Lord. All of the scientists, professors, businessmen, homemakers will say, Jesus is Lord. Everyone will admit that Jesus is Lord. The issue is not, will, will you admit that Jesus is the Lord? 
one day you will. You will either admit it now in love and honor and respect, or you will admit it later and find you've been wrong and made a big mistake. Understand now, if you confess Jesus as your Lord, he will save your soul today. So I want to pray. Why don't you bow your heads with me in reverence to God? Close our eyes for just a moment. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are Lord. That Jesus, you are Lord of our lives today. That our greatest need today is to acknowledge you as Lord. That you are with us, God. That you're in the room. That your presence is here. This is why you came in flesh and blood. You came to this earth as a man to demonstrate your love and your grace and your forgiveness. And God, if we just would acknowledge you, you'll save our soul. You came to save us from our sins today. You came to be the Savior. That's why you came. That's what the real Christmas is. Jesus came to save us and touch our lives today. So let's just close our eyes and bow our heads for just a moment. And maybe you're in this room. Maybe you're listening online today. And you've never acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. You've never acknowledged him and say, Jesus, come in my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Change my life. God, I believe that you are Lord. I believe today that you came for me, that you're the Savior of the world. And maybe you've, you maybe, maybe you've said, you know, yes, I, I believe in Jesus. Maybe you say, yes, I know who he is, but you've never actually asked him to come in your heart and forgive you of your sins today. I don't want you to miss this opportunity if you're in this place right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, say, you know what, I need Jesus in my life. I know he is, but he's not Lord of my life. I've, I've not really surrendered my heart to him. Friend, don't leave this place the same way you walked in. Make Jesus Lord of your life. The greatest gift you'll ever open up this Christmas will be Jesus, the gift of salvation. So if you're in this room right now, you say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life today. I believe today that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he came to the earth for me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son today. If you're in this room right now, say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Would you raise your hand right now? Is there anyone here? Just say, Pastor, I need, I need the Lord in my life. Just raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I will pray for you. someone over here. God bless you. Thank you for raising your hand. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone you just raise your hand right now? We don't want you to leave here the same way you came. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to do any. I'm not here even to judge you. I'm here today to pray with you and let you know that God loves you. That Jesus is the Savior. You need him in your life. And today, if you'll just acknowledge that, see, as long as you try to save yourself, God can't save you. But the moment you say, God, save my soul. Come in my life. Raise your hand right now if that you haven't raised it yet. You said, that's me. I need the Lord in my life. Is there anyone here right now that said, that's me? Just raise your hand. We'll pray for you today. We'll pray for you. Anybody else? Just lift your hand right now. Is there anyone else in this room? All over this place. Maybe at one time you're walking with God, but you're away from God right now. And for whatever reason, maybe something happened and you've kind of strayed away and you need, you need to rededicate your life to him you say I need to come back to the Lord raise your hand raise your hand is there anyone in this room right now raise your hand I need to rededicate my life to the Lord right now raise your hand raise your hand why don't we all stand together right now all of us in this room I know this brother over here on my left he raised his hand somebody else raised their hand just would you come would you come why don't you come to this altar right here? We'll have somebody come with you, man. God bless you, brother. Amen. Is there anybody else you want to pray? God bless you, bro. What's your name? Ralph, God bless you, Ralph. Amen. I'm going to pray with Ralph. Anybody else want to pray? You say, man, I, I, I need the Lord in my life. I need God in my life. That's me. That's me. Why don't we all pray together right now and, and ask the Lord. And Ralph, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just... Repeat this word. Don't say it to me, but say it to God, okay? Somebody else over here? Bring them over here. Come on, bro. What's your name, brother? Carlos? Amen. God bless you, Carlos. And you're a Raider fan, and we forgive you. That's all right now. 
I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding you. I say a lot about the Raiders. Even he knows that. Don't matter who you, what fan you're for, but as long as you're a fan of Jesus, that's what matters. That's what matters. But we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray together with Carlos and Ralph. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else right now? You, you want to get in on this prayer. I believe it will make a difference in your life. Amen. All right, guys, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to lead you in the prayer. I'm going to give you the words, but don't say them to me. It's not the word to save you. It's, it's the attitude of your heart. Say this prayer to God, not me. Say, Lord Jesus. Just re- repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and you rose again. I ask you, Lord, to come in my heart to forgive me of all my sins. Be Lord of my life. Change my life today. Make me a new person. From this day forward, I will serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now, the presence of your spirit. God, I pray right now for Ralph and Carlos. I pray today that your love and your grace today would just, uh, God, you would just make yourself real to them. Let them know, God, let the presence of your spirit come over their life today. That God, today, that they'll experience your love, experience your forgiveness. That God, they're not going to walk out the same way they walked in. But God, you're going to touch their life today. And Lord, salvation has come into their heart today. We thank you, God. Keep praying for them. Lord, we thank you, Lord, today. In the name of Jesus. I want to just pray today. You say, you know what? I, I, I'm reminded, Emmanuel, God's with us. Man, you got to remember God's with you. Maybe some of you right now said, man, I really need God to be with me. I'm going through some things in my life. I've been battling some issues. I, I've been dealing with things and... I feel sometimes God's not with me, but he is with you today. I want to pray for the presence of God to come. I'm going to open the altar today. Whatever you want to pray for, just come. Whatever you want to pray for, just come to the altar. It's not a place of embarrassment. It's not a place of shame. It's a place where we meet with God. The place where we say, God, help me. Maybe you just need some prayer. Presence of God to help. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.